Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Tuesday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, all new pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Start off with this. You know, Steve alluded to yesterday where Isaiah Brockington stands at this point, back in the transfer portal. And it's what's been kind of been a bizarre story. And the latest from John Rothstein just got tweeted out. We mentioned yesterday that Isaiah Brockington was receiving interest from these programs. Arkansas, Iowa State, Wake Forest, Boston College, BYU, Providence, LaSalle, George Washington, and UMBC. Not really any programs that scream at you that would be that would behoove him to move from a I think is a better situation at Penn State. Now just an hour ago, Rothstein tweets out this. Penn State transfer Isaiah Brockington also tells me he's receiving interest from Auburn, Georgia, St. John's, Xavier. That's a better group of teams, but again, nothing really screams out to me that says, "Oh my, he's got to go take that offer. He's got to go to Penn. He's got to leave Penn State and go to this school." No. Auburn is the best team out of that group, and they're one of the better teams in the SEC. Okay, fine, that might be a possibility, but Georgia, no. St. John's, eh. Not the pedigree once used to be, and the Big East is kind of a joke now. And Xavier, same thing. A-10 is not a great conference right now. So you're still seeing the pattern here that Isaiah Brockington is not getting the looks maybe he's looking for, although Steve has said there is one school that he's had in mind, and there might be some there might be something there. Might have been some mutual interest there, but we haven't have an idea of where that is yet and maybe that's from a a bigger school I I don't know but from all these groups of schools that we've now seen over the past two days from John Rothstein CBS Sports doesn't scream out to me that he's got to go take that advantage somewhere like Myron Jones to Florida absolutely that's a great example but these group of teams no 
except for Auburn. So I, I don't know where Brockington's head is right now. But if I'm Micah Shrewsbury, I want to know soon because I, I need to either move on and fo- continue focusing on the guys that are back, which, as we talked about, is still relatively good shape from from the from the team that was from last year. Or, okay, you've, you've exhausted all your options. Now it's time to bring it back here to Penn State and focus on making you better for the NBA. Because that's we know he's got those goals. So, in that sense, again, and I said this to Steve a couple days ago, you've now got a pretty solid coaching staff to make you successful at Penn State. But... You also have lots of NBA connections now. If you're looking to get to that front with Micah Shrewsbury staff. So my question is, why would you want to leave? As I said a couple of days ago to Steve, so <laughs> this is this is bizarre. This is really bizarre to me. And I do agree with Steve, and, and it is a good point to keep remembering that, or to keep in mind, that this is the way the transfer portal is. If if it's going to be this easily accessible, then players are going to take advantage of it, and this is something that should be addressed by the NCAA. No question there. And in that sense, I know I can't really fault to a point what Isaiah Brockington's trying to do and, and just trying to keep his options open. But at the same time, there comes to a point where hey, you 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 got to show some commitment still because your reputation is still out there as a prospect for the NBA in terms of off-the-court character ability and character intangibles. That's all I'll say about that. I'm sure we'll see if Steve has any anything additional other than what he had mentioned yesterday in his conversation with Dick Girardi, which is basically I summed up not too long ago. So now we go to the NFL Draft. I don't understand why there's so much backlash to the Steelers maybe drafting a running back in the first round. I get it. Anybody, if you have a good offensive line, you can have almost anybody back there to be successful. I understand that. I know the Steelers have some offensive line issues now from where they are from the end of last year, guys leaving. I I get it. Marcus Gilbert just retired. I, I get it. But at the same time, you look at how pathetic the Steelers' running game was last year. Pathetic. You still need to have a competent back there where at least makes the opponent respect that you want to run the football. <laughs> you did not get that last year at all which clearly led to all the offensive woes the Steelers had in their debacle of an ending to a season after an 11-0 start. You still need to have that good threat in the backfield if you're going to have a dynamic offense that the Steelers want to get back to being. So getting a guy like Najee Harris is going to give you that. The Steelers have needed a workforce back, a three-down back, Najee Harris can do that for you. He's got power. He's got strength. He's got speed. 
And I think he can do well out of the backfield as well. So let's not overthink this here. If you have a guy that has all these intangibles, and I'm not saying you can't, you shouldn't address the offensive line. You should. But if a guy like that is there for you at 24 and looks like it will be, as it normally is when it goes when it goes to these situations here with running backs and the end of the first round, take him. Don't overthink this. If you needed any sort of example of you need uh, of still needing a competent running back, somewhat of a competent running back to make your offense two-dimensional, to give that sort of threat to make the defenses go for your run game. Be susceptible to your run game. Respect your run game. And you got to take him there. And also, what happened to best player available? I guarantee you, with that point of the draft, and Neil Kalong has said this many different times, where the Steelers have many different holes to fill and you got to take best player available. Well, this is it right here. There's that concept. So I, I really just don't understand that. Could they maybe go defense? Sure. But the Steelers, to me, are just kidding themselves if they don't address running back very early in this draft. And I'll leave it at that. And then finally, we have the baseball replay situation, which has just been a total debacle this year. And it's just gotten worse. We'll have this audio later. Starting with the A's and Elvis Andrews. <laughs> I mean, I think Buster only summed this up perfectly in a tweet yesterday, late last night. MLB needs to come out and say something and hold themselves accountable. There's two instances now where this has happened. The Alec Bowen play with the Phillies at, at the Braves and now with the A's and Rays last night. Secondly, in the Yanks-O's game, that was definitely awfully quick to pull the trigger on Aaron Boone to make a decision about whether he wanted to challenge that third base play when Aaron Judge was out and then they didn't allow the, run, the second run to score, which would have made it a 4-3 game instead of a 4-2 game, and that ended up being the final. MLB is starting to... Well, I mean, I should, I should say they have been flying by the seat of their pants here because you have all these voices saying, you need to speed the game up. Yeah, and you have all, more voices saying, you need to fix replay. Whoa. They just can't figure it out, Steve. They have there has to be a balance, and it's just not there. They're trying to make the game faster, so they they had they they had the quick finger, the quick trigger for Aaron Boone, and then you have with the with the replay side of things. I just I, I MLB's got a lot of problems right now with with replay. Well, look, the bottom line: this is more Yankee hatred. <laughs> no, see. The only thing I'll say this is the Yankees at that point in the game should just have challenged it regardless it's, because the game's on the line. But at the more, same time, more, are we about more, getting it right or are we about we need to be about getting it right and about moving the game along. We can't have both ways. MLB's not getting this balance right now. Nobody gets it right. Nobody gets it right. There'll be times where I'm doing 
Oh, I think we lost Steve there on the connection. I thought we had it actually good today, but let's see if we can get him back in a sec here. But to, to finish my point about that, he is – no one gets it right. I, I get it. But at the same time, though, the, the, you can still find a way to get calls right and keep the game moving. I think someone – I forgot who exactly it was, but somebody said maybe – install like a challenge flag or some sort of signal that the NFL uses. There's ways you can navigate this to make sure you give teams where's the clock to supposedly there's a 20 second clock. Where's that? There's no evidence of there's a clock anywhere. So there's ways they can navigate it. But they're just not coming up with it right now because they're showing a lot of incompetence on this subject. But we'll take a break. We want to hear from you on all these different topics today. 1-800-795-9565. Steve will add his two cents into all this as well. As we continue here on the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Here on the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve is there from hopefully the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, all new pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. And I think we got Steve hopefully back with us here. We have Neil Coolong on the line as well. Neil, thanks so much. You ever not drinking wine out of a cardboard box, Neil Coolong? I'm, I'm happy to say that. That's for sure. It sounds <laughs> awful. I'm killing my mood. I'll tell you, I have an entire station of people. I'm back on, great. by the way. All right. <laughs> <laughs> just, just sit back and go, okay, what time? You know, I'm just trying to get to 3 o'clock. All right, so <laughs> Neil is finally here. Next week when we do this segment, it will be crack analysis. All right, so now let's do some 
great guessing. <laughs> so what's your great guess going in with the Steelers sitting at 24? Do they, A, stay at 24, and B, if they do, who do they get? I think they stay at 24, and I'm going to say this. I think the player they take is not somebody we are going to often discuss leading into this. I think that the range of guys that they could take is wide enough um, leading into this draft that the consensus um, I, I don't I would say the consensus is probably Najee Harris right. I think that that's gotten the most buzz that's gotten the most chatter to this point and I think it makes the most sense I think you can connect the most dots with that I think though Harris is going to be gone I think there's enough interest surrounding him by teams that have multiple first round picks and this is kind of the key thing here if you look at it financially if you've got two first-round picks, that's a pretty substantial amount of, of salary that you're going to have to pay. And if you look at Pittsburgh and the situation they're in, right before this call, and I think that this, this led in very well to what I'm saying, they announced, well, through Ian Rappaport, he reported that uh, the Steelers have picked up the 50-year option of free safety Minka Fitzpatrick. Right. They have another 50-year option outstanding for their other safety. No word on him. If you look at both of those players, I think it's pretty obvious. One, definitely you want to extend. The other one, I think, is probably more of a nice-to-have for where they're trying to go. If you pay market for both of them, you're investing a substantial amount of money into just these two players. Teams, Pittsburgh in particular, wants to be a bit more balanced on how they build their core roster up. And Pittsburgh has only, in this era, once had two safeties working on extensions. That was Troy Polamalu and Ryan Clark. Right. Um, beyond that, they've been trying to find adequate replacements to that, a position that they seem to prioritize sometimes, not prioritize other times. But if you look at this from, say, the New York Jets perspective, who are drafting at 23, and the Miami Dolphins perspective, who are drafting at 18, these are teams that um, it, certainly for the Jets, are pretty much devoid of anything resembling an offensive weapon at this point. Right. If the Steelers have a need for a running back, the Jets have a need for a running back, and both of them are teams that Le'Veon Bell used to play on. Maybe there's a connection there. I don't know. <laughs> but they don't want to pay, necessarily, two first-round picks on extensions at the same time. Miami also has like 14 picks or whatever it is. They'd have a lot of guys that they'd need to pay. So they can pursue a running back from the perspective that maybe this position isn't fungible over a, a longer period of time. Maybe we can get five years out of him after his option. Maybe we can tag him at a pretty low rate the way running backs are going. The tag's not worth much. Uh, that's six years out of a running back. Maybe his career's over by that point. It doesn't really matter. If we got six quality years out of him and we were able to build up uh, our team in the direction that we are, the way, the way that we have been under Brian Flores, who's done a, f a phenomenal job in Miami yes, to this point. Yes, he has. The, I think Harris has just as much value to them than, than anybody else, simply because of that. They don't need to worry so much about a long-term investment in the guy. I think the Steelers need a, a, a playmaker out of their backfield. I think Harris can fit that to some degree, but I don't think he's going to be there at 24. And looking at nine trillion different mock drafts, I, I spent the better part of today talking to people about this. More and more people are, are suggesting the idea that maybe the Jets could snare him at 23, or maybe the Dolphins just take him at 18. But the odds of him being on the board 
aren't as high as I think what they thought they were, it was going to be uh, earlier on in this process. So with that, who do you identify if you're the Steelers? Fun fact, I think we talked about this last week, the Steelers have not drafted an offensive tackle in the first round since 1996. Right. Maybe they're that embittered over the Jermaine Stevens disaster that they just completely avoid the <laughs> position there for, for this long. But that's noticeable. You know, you, you really can't ignore that if you're talking about the draft with the Steelers. Every single year, though, every pundit always tells me they're going to take a tackle. It's like, okay, well, when they do, I'll believe it. They just they don't do it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who's there. Um, they just they avoid it. They don't do it. And it's not as if they've had horrible uh, play out of the tackle position in that time. They've had some really good ones in there. They just get them out of nowhere. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva finishes up his, his uh, time with the Steelers after having played, I think, pretty much every position on, on a football field between college and a couple brief cups of coffee with teams before he landed in Pittsburgh, he ended up being a, a very serviceable tackle. Kelvin Beecham was a seventh-round draft pick, drafted as a guard, played center first. He was a third tight end. Then he was a Pro Bowl-level tackle in, in the year that he got in Pittsburgh. They can find guys that can play the position, and they right. can develop them. They, they count on that. Um they do look at the interior offensive line, though. We've seen them take a center. We've seen them take a guard uh, in the first round. Um, that center just retired. I'm not sure if there's a center that they want at 24. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. But I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, them looking at perhaps a, a linebacker, which isn't a position I think that, that people would mm-hmm. expect. Um, there are going to be some of them that fall. It's not Zayvon Collins. If you look at a guy like J.O.K. out of Notre Dame, um, there, there are players who are going to be well worth the 24th pick uh, that might not be at the most significant position of need. But at the same time, it's hard to say that you really want to trot uh, Mickey Spillane out there again. You know, Robert <laughs> Spillane is not the, the greatest athlete on the team. Uh, Vince Williams clearly wasn't enough for them to pay him the salary that they agreed to pay him initially. Uh, There's no long-term options next to Devin Bush right now. Wouldn't be surprised if they looked at that simply because the guys who are going to be there are going to be really good. Um, One thing I know, they're not going to take a free safety. That's safe. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I think pretty much anything is on the board here. So my extremely long-winded answer is I don't know. I I, I think you can go a bunch of different ways with it, but it's not going to be the guy uh, everyone's going to expect, um, you know, minutes, hours before the draft. Let's continue with the Najee Harris idea for a moment, that he does get picked by somebody in front of them, Jets, Dolphins. Is Travis Etienne, who, by the way, is getting some really good reviews, pass catcher, pass protector, change of direction at full speed, is he an option? If it's me, I think he is an option. Um, I I like his all-around game. I like his explosion. He's very fast. Um, You mentioned the pass catching. One thing that is interesting that you brought up as well, though, he's a good pass protector. I don't know how good Najee Harris is at it. I, I don't know how much you really uh, focus on that at Alabama as far as the, the role of the feature running back that they have, very old-school power approach. I don't know if that's a rounded-out part of his game. I think ADN might, might be better in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that Najee Harris, though, is a, a walking embodiment of what Mike Tomlin wants in a running back. And what Mike Tomlin wants in a running back might not be the same as everybody else, but it really kind of seems to be something out of the 1960s. You know, a bigger guy, his his long speed isn't so much of a concern. He's got good vision. He's strong. 
I, I can probably point out 15 different short yardage situations in which the Steelers failed catastrophically because of the lack of strength that they had in their running back. Those types of things, I think you, you, you see that more with Harris than you would with Etienne. But it, at the same time, if you want the home run guy, if you want the real playmaker, if you want the, the probably better overall pass receiver, I think Etienne is your, is your guy. Um, if the Steelers gave him the, the type of attention that I think they normally would give, and maybe I'll, I'll admit I'm probably masking some of this just because Tomlin was all but rolling out the red carpet for Harris. Right. Um, I, I don't know if they even really bothered to look at Eddie and just simply because it's Harris or bust. I, I could see them kind of going into that mindset at, at 24. I don't think Eddie lasts until 55. Right. Um, a name that, that's coming up quite a bit lately out of North Carolina is Trey Sermon. Um, is he a, 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 a poor man's Travis Etienne? Is he somebody that has that explosive pop? I don't know if I'm convinced on that. I just know that there are people now that, that are saying that they might have been more interested in him. Um, it seems like when they went down there, they focused more on him than Javante Williams, who's the guy that I would want if they're going to take a running back. Um, if he fell to 55 and they didn't take him, uh, we, we would definitely have a lot to analyze on, on the next show. I, I think for everything that they need in this offense and for a modern um, kind of spread approach offense like you have in the NFL. He's a great fit for that. Um, might not be as as you know the, the bruising between the tackles kind of guy, but uh, he's explosive. He's a playmaker. He's a good receiving threat. I think there are a lot of different things that you can do with him. I just think it, it's it, overall. I don't think we need to to coin a running back as the traditional three yards in a cloud of dust three down guy anymore just because you drafted him in the first round the game is is what we used to refer to as, as situation football you know the Steelers in my opinion when they they collapsed the way that they did they failed to close out a lot of games that they could have earlier uh, because they failed in situation in situation based football short yardage situations third down there was a time in which they did well with that when their passing game was working when that stopped working though they could not run the ball and that cost them quite a bit i think it made them extremely predictable and the snowball rolled downhill so having a back that can do multiple things for you in short yardage uh quick passing quick handoffs power running zone running all of that uh you can get that from those first three guys I don't know if Sermon is that guy or not. If, if that is the case, I think he's joining a backfield that's very similar uh, to what they already have. But um, it, it, it's, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell right now with everything that uh, they don't have access to. They, they don't have the same amount of medical data that they usually do. Um, I'll say this. If, if, if Sermon was an option, a, a legit option, they did a really good job of hiding that. And I would guess intentionally throwing out the Najee Harris smokescreen that they may or may not think he's even going to get to 24 anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. If we're in a draft room, and I bring this up because Gil Brandt was talking with Peter King of Football Morning in America for men to be NBC Sports, and he brought up in the 60s they'd, they'd draft somebody, and they then they had military service. And he said he rarely came back from military service the same player that we drafted, which I thought was interesting. If you and I are sitting in a draft room, how do you view in this particular year opt-outs? Um, boy, it was interesting what uh, what Kevin Colbert said yesterday. I, I think 
to some degree, I certainly think that you and your audience is, is hearing something similar. What does that mean for Micah Parsons? If Micah Parsons was on the board at 24, how do you pass that up? Well, um, yeah, I don't yeah, care. It's not, yeah, I mean, obviously I wouldn't because I know the guy and I know what he can do. I'll give you an, exa- I'll give you an example of, of that, uh, and that would be Rashawn Slater. Some people would say the Steelers, you know, okay, hey, you know, hey, what if he was available? He could play tackle, guard, whatever. He was asked to play in the Senior Bowl and refused to do it. I mean, that would be one where I'd sit back and say, okay, I'd like to have somebody who, can, who wants to play. <laughs> Primary requisite of the game. <laughs> you need to want to go out there when your number's called. Um uh, I, you know, it, it toes the line of generational thinking in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, you're probably right. I think it, 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 to some degree, you're usually going to boil down major issues to two things, uh, money and health. I think a football player that doesn't have any real security going into a bowl game that doesn't really matter and you know really in, in a lot of ways his draft stock is secure you can make the argument that the backup getting a chance to go in and play right. might be better off anyway that's a different decision than there's a pandemic on I don't feel comfortable right. about this I don't know if this is for me the same thing at the senior bowl now there are a lot of guys that back out of the senior bowl oh, I know kind of like yeah, but in, least... in order to not play in the senior bowl you have to admit an injury which probably doesn't help you so there's almost like a, a, an unnatural checks and balances that exist but at least they show up but at least they show up and get yeah. interviewed I would think for me especially in a year this is where I originally wanted to go with this this is how scatterbrained I am today <laughs> I would think in a year in which there's not a combine you would absolutely want to get to the senior bowl um, assuming you're invited obviously right. um, a kid like Trey Lance, might end up, you know, falling until the, the middle of the first round because he didn't get a whole lot of chance outside of one game that he played right. uh, for his FCS school. Um, that's, a, a that's, by like the way, later. by the way, that's your FCS school. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the full disclosure: um, a, a, a guy like Slater, I wouldn't say that he needs to to take advantage of every opportunity that he gets. But exactly to your point comes a point that I'm going to start asking why you're not doing these things. You know, it's like, you know, it's okay. Well, we're going to ask you to do a lot of things you might not be all that comfortable with. You kind of have to. That's sort of what this is. Um, or at the very least, there's no opt-outs beyond this. You're, you're going to have to show up. Are you comfortable with that? Did I get enough time with you to say that? So uh, Kevin Colbert's over uh, overarching point was uh, really that we're not viewing it as a, a – a cultural decision. We are simply looking at the black and white fact that you did not play. So we have a problem with that. And I think some of that is really more the mentality for the Steelers because, well, they, they haven't dealt with this any more than any other team has. Well, that's they haven't. Neil, appreciate it very much. Next hour, the first half hour will be Matt complaining about Aaron Boone's situation last night. The final half hour will be Matt complaining about what the Eagles might do Thursday night. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay.